Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Loved ones, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now, not months from now, not even weeks from now, not even days from now, but it is our belief and our confession that they will have something in the message today that will change their lives immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Whatever form your Bible takes, please take it and hold it up. We're going to say our Bible confession. We like to say this confession before we get into the Word of God. Ready? Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, we're talking about the re-engage category of our vision. And the goal for that is re-engage life, regardless of the fear or failure, and re-engage it without condemnation, knowing that if you fall in the process, your risen king has empowered you to get up. Family, life can have some unpleasant moments. And those unpleasant moments can leave you with scars. Once you have a scar, that scar makes you susceptible to a very oppressive feeling, condemnation. Notice this. Condemnation, family, is the expression or declaration of Strong disapproval. Keep in mind, condemnation has a subject, a target. It's pointing at something. Condemnation, it is the declaration of being unworthy. Condemnation is the declaration or the expression that, hey, that thing, that subject, unlovable. It is awful or bad, guilty. And as you know, with guilty comes the implication is there is also deserving some kind of punishment. Condemnation can come from the outside or from within. As you know, we're talking about the condemnation that comes from within. And that condemnation is given a term, self-condemnation. It's given that term because in that regard, you are the one talking negatively or bad about you to yourself. Self-condemnation. Under the self-condemnation scenario, you take all of these things that condemnation means and then you turn that on yourself and you say, I have a strong disapproval of myself. I decree that I am unworthy of better in life. I decree that I am unlovable, unforgivable. I'm awful. I'm bad. I decree... I'm guilty, 
and I deserve to be punished. Loved ones, self-condemnation. That thing shackles you to a self-imposed, self-condemning stigma. Or you can call it a negative label. And that negative label or badge or thing that you wear that we cannot see, it walks around and it pronounces and it decrees guilty. It decrees regret. Unworthy, unforgivable, unlovable, pity, shame, good for nothing. You wear that badge somewhere deep, far beyond anything that we can see. Even with the smile on your face, down deep, you wear a badge that says something different. And that stigma, that thing originates from a person's faults. It originates from, when I say false, I am talking about it in the broadest sense. A person's faults, their errors, their failures, their imperfections, their weaknesses, their shortcomings, their faults, all the things in life that could leave them with an emotional or mental scar. And that scar causes them to only see their faults. If I were to say that differently, I would say that a person develops a negative label of themselves when they cannot see past their flaws. Notice this. That's the next one. Go, Pat, go to, there's another one, a number three maybe. I want us to say it together. Because condemnation, loved ones, condemnation needs a voice. Condemnation by itself, it's, it's, it's not going to be able to get power in your life until you speak hopelessness over your life. There's an image number three. And I'm going to have you say it together with me, and she will bring it up shortly. Say this with me. A person develops a, person develops a, negative, a negative label of themselves when he, or she when he or she cannot see past, cannot see past their, flaws. their flaws. Loved ones, if you show me a person who cannot see past their flaws, I will show you a person who is oppressed by a stigma of guilt. And that stigma is oppressing them in their present and keeping them from their future. If you show me a person who cannot see beyond their flaws, I will show, I will show you a person oppressed by the negative level label of regret. And that negative label is oppressing them in their present and keeping them from their future. Show me a person who can't see past their flaws. And I will show you a person oppressed by the label or the memory or the assumption or the belief that they are unworthy or unlovable or unforgivable. And that thought or that label, that stigma, it oppresses them in their present. And it keeps them from their future. If you find a person who cannot see beyond their flaws, that individual 
if you dig deep, they are likely oppressed by some kind of shame or some kind of image where they feel as if they're good for nothing, they're useless. And that particular label, it binds them to oppression in their present. And it keeps them from their future. All of this talk I'm doing, I don't want you to think I'm picking at anybody in particular. If it's resonating with you, if you feel somehow that you have a flaw, if you feel somehow that you are self-condemning yourself, guess what? I'm not picking at anybody because we all stare at our flaws. Whether you want to believe it or not, you stare at your flaw. You can pick it out like nobody's business. And once the devil knows that you stare at your flaw, that you focus on your flaw, that rascal is going to prompt you to rehearse that flaw in your head over and over and over and over again. It's going to become an incessant chorus, and that chorus is going to continue to push you more and more into a defeatist trance. Slowly, you drive yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into a pit of hopelessness. Until the point to where you just feel bad about yourself. You don't ever know how you're going to break free. You can't see a future beyond the oppression that you are providing your own inner ear through rehearsing your flaws. That stigma that you have, that you, that you talk to yourself about, that thing is oppressing you. We all got them. We all have had our own little self, self one-on-one -on -one concert. Even when you lift your hands and praise, many of us are rehearsing a different song in our heart. Remember, self-condemnation is so damaging and oppressive because you can't get away from you. Wherever you go, there you are. It is damaging. And we all stare at them. And in staring at them, we end up getting to the point to where we say to ourselves, we don't deserve anything better. This is my lot in life. I don't deserve anything better, especially not from God. You walk around in life in a trance. <laughs> the literal living dead. And keep in mind, family, when you're in this trance, you don't necessarily know you're in the trance. Sometimes you've lived with your stigma for so long, it has become a part of you. If only there was a way to break free from that trance. Well, there is. Look at your neighbor and tell them, admit your flaws. Notice, family. Admit your flaws. In order to break free from the stigma, that negative label, that self-imposed, condemning thing, admit your flaws. Remember, condemnation needs a voice to get power. So every time condemnation raises its head, to tell you how flawed you are, you shove your flaws right down its throat. Admit 
your flaws. Disarm both condemnation and the devil with truth. It wants to bring up your flaws, let it choke on it. You shove every failure, every error, every weakness, every imperfection, imperfection, every shortcoming right down its throat. Disarm it with the truth. And in doing so, you're going to find that you're going to free yourself from the trance of talking negatively about yourself to yourself. How do you shove your flaws and your faults and your imperfections down condemnation's throat? Well, we're going to show you how to do that. And we're going to start in Revelation 1. Whenever condemnation shows up, tell it to have a seat. Tell it to get comfortable because we, we want you to stay a while. Let condemnation know you got something to tell it. Tell it to open wide because you don't want them to miss a drop. And then you look condemnation in the figurative eye. And you begin by saying, I admit, I acknowledge, I am flawed. As a matter of fact, notice, condemnation, next image please, Romans chapter 1 tells me that when God looked across the earth, guess what he saw? He saw that the Gentiles were guilty. Romans chapter 2 goes on to say, guess what? He kept looking and found that the Jews, too, were guilty. In Romans chapter 3, it kind of begins to pull it all together here in verse 9. Romans chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, easy to read, so we are, so are we Jews better than other people? No. We already said that those who are Jews as well as those who are not Jews are the same. They all are guilty of sin. So condemnation, are you listening? As the scriptures say, there is no one doing what is right, not even one. But the Bible don't stop there. This chapter 3 actually sums it up much better in verse 23. It says this. King James Version, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The easy to read says, all have sinned and are not good enough to share God's divine greatness. So I know I come short. I know I'm not good enough. You, you, you think you've given me news? You think you have discovered something, given me an aha moment? I know I'm not good enough. I know I fall short. I know I'm imperfect. Yet, with all my imperfections, 
The Bible tells me that God sent a man we call Jesus. And as Romans chapter 4 goes on to say, God sent that man because he wants to call me righteous. Romans 4 says this. Easy to read verses 21 through 25. Abraham felt sure that God was able to do what he promised. So that's why he was accepted as one who is right with God. These words, he was accepted, were written not only for Abraham. Thank God for that. They were also written for us. God will also accept us because we believe. We believe in the one he raised, Jesus, who raised Jesus our Lord from death. Jesus was handed over to die for our sins, and he was raised from the death, from death to make us right with God. Jesus puts me in the position to be made right with God. I know I'm flawed. I know I'm imperfect. I know I'm not good enough. I know that I deserve something else. But God sent a man named Jesus to give me the, op the opportunity to be made right with God. And he did so. Not only that, do you know condemnation what Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6 go on and tell me? It tells me that God even wanted me free from penalty. It reads this way. Romans 6, 23 puts a bow on it when it says this in the easy to read. When people sin, they earn what sin pays, death. But God, everybody say, but God. But God. Woo, but God. But God gives his people a free gift, eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I know, I know what I earned by saying what I said. I know what I earned by doing what I did. I know what I earned for acting how I acted. I know what I earned. I know while I'm in regret. I know while I got self-condemnation. I know, I know, I know, and I know what I deserve because of it, but God gives a gift. God gives a gift. And God gives a gift the Bible calls a free gift. Yes. Now, condemnation, in case you don't know, free gift, both terms there, the double wording is necessary. You might say to me, why is it that Paul doesn't just say, but God gives his people a gift. It's because the word free there is the clarifier. The word gift implies you did not buy it. But loved ones, little sidebar to you and me, when you're talking to condemnation, let him know. We're going to get back on condemnation, but let him know that the word free implies that the gift has no strings. So condemnation, the reason why Paul says it's a free gift is that God, God's gift does not come with strings. 
See, some of the reason that you are in my life, that you're talking to me all the time, that you got a voice in my head, is that I have accepted gifts in the past with strings. Somebody I trusted, somebody I let in, somebody who was close gave me a gift that I thought was a gift, but really what it was, was here is a gift, but now you owe me something. Here is a gift, but not do what I say. Here is a gift, but not agree with me. Here is a gift, but now I need you to look the other way. Here is a gift, but it's a gift with strings. That's not a gift. That is a bribe. At best, it's a business proposition. At best, it's a proposition with deferred payment. That's not the gift that God is offering. Condemnation, God's gift to me is free. When he says what he says to me in his word, it comes as is at face value. No strings attached. God wants me righteous and free from penalty. I know the wages I should get, but God. I know the penalty I deserve, but God. God gives his people a free gift. I'm not telling you what I assume. I'm telling you what his word says. But I acknowledge, even though I know all of this, I still struggle. I still struggle to believe. I still struggle to believe that God could possibly want to call me righteous. I still, I still struggle to believe that he'd want to call me righteous or that he'd want me to really be free. I still struggle to believe that a perfect God can look at an imperfect me and see anything good. I still struggle to believe that a God that is so pure can somehow want to embrace me when my life is so stained. I see why you always in my ear because sometimes I just struggle to believe. And that struggle just, it gets me down. It makes me feel so bad about myself. And every now and then, though, I muster up the strength and the courage to try to be a better person. I muster up the strength and the courage to try to be that person that God would like. Every now and then I roll up my sleeves and I try to do those things that I need to do to just believe that when God looks on me, he can possibly really genuinely smile. I try, but I fail miserably. To my disappointment, there is some aspect of life that I have to come face to face with that lets me know I'm flawed. 
I am imperfect. And it puts me right in the face of a reality I am well aware of. And that reality is this in chapter 7. That I realize I don't have what it takes. Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 24 in the Message Bible, Paul says, I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Sometime, some, something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. You don't have to tell me I'm imperfect. I know I'm imperfect. The Bible tells me I'm imperfect. I know that there are sometimes I want to say the right thing, but I say the wrong thing. I want to do the right thing, but I do the wrong thing. I want to act the right way, but I act the wrong way. Sometimes I can't. I can't help but say, God, I don't understand, but I have to realize that I don't have what it takes. In all my efforts, in all my trying, I personally do not have what it takes to make my imperfection perfect. I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I really don't do it. I decide not to do bad, but that's what I do. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong, wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly, it's predictable. And not only is it predictable, it's annoying. To want to do right, but can't. To want to say the right thing, but don't. To want to act right, but don't. It's annoying. It's not just something that's, that's, that's a, 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 a basic thought in my head. It rests on me. And it happens so often that doggone it, it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin's there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. I want to be the best believer I can be. When I hold my hands up in worship, that's not fake. That's not phony. That's not a joke. I really do want to worship my God. But there is something in me that keeps reminding me that I am imperfect. When I pray, I pray for real. I'm not praying for play play. It ain't no joke to me. But when I pray, I'm praying from a position of guilt, regret, that I'm unlovable, that I'm unforgivable, that I'm unworthy, that I'm full of shame, that I got pity dripping on me like water. I am praying from a position, and that position comes because I want to do right, but doggone it, I just don't have what it takes. I truly delight in God's commands. I truly love my God. I truly want Jesus in my life. I truly want to be the believer that has, that's a poster child for every other believer. I want to do that, but doggone it, there's something that happens so regularly that it's predictable that I try to do the right thing, but I'm just flawed. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious 
that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel or rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. There are times, condemnation, where I feel like I put you to bed. And then something will happen in my life that reminds me that you're telling me I should feel guilty. That I am not worthy. And I join in to your mess. Just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Oh, I admit, I'm in a dilemma. I don't want to wear this label. I don't want this stigma attached to me. But I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to get this stigma off of me. I don't have what it takes to purge it out of my mind. I feel so condemned all the time. You're always with me. This dilemma just racks my mind, racks my brain all the time. I want to do right. I want to be right. But I'm imperfect. I don't want to do the wrong things, but sometimes I do the wrong things. I admit I'm flawed. Sometimes someone or the world somehow wrong gets done to me. I admit I'm scarred. It's a dilemma. Is there anyone that can help me out of this dilemma? Because I don't want to live with you no more. I don't want to be hearing you all the time no more. Is there anyone that can help me? I thank God. Condemnation. Paul didn't stop right here at 24. He went on to pin something in verse 25. You know what he said? You know what he wrote? He wrote this. The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Jesus Christ can help me with my dilemma and he does. How does he do that? By setting me right with God. It says, Romans chapter, 20, chapter 7, verse 25 in the Message Bible, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Jesus sets it right. Jesus gives me the opportunity to be right with God. Jesus gives me the opportunity to separate myself from that label. Jesus gives me the opportunity to not have to work to think that I got to do something so that God can smile on me. God smiles on me just because I said yes to Christ. 
The answer to my dilemma, condemnation, is Jesus. And with everything Paul has written between chapter 1 and chapter 7, this verse being the last verse in chapter 7, Paul's got nothing else that he needs to say except what he says when he rolls up to the next chapter where he says this. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. He has resolved that for me. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying, black cloud. Romans 8 and 1 in the King James says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Jesus, as long as I am in him, condemnation, you have no place in my life. None. And how do I know that I am in Christ? How do I know that this applies to me? Because Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised, has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That same set of verses in the Message Bible says this. Say a welcoming word to God. Jesus is my master. Embracing body and soul. God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the, from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You see, you had me trying to work for something. You had me trying to strive for something. You had me trying to do effort for something. But you know what? This says you're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That is salvation. That is that free gift. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between who? Him and me. God, through Jesus, has set everything right with him. And get this, that's right, the imperfect me. There is nothing while I'm in Christ that God is doing to call me guilty. So if God is not calling me guilty, so if God is not saying I deserve a penalty, so if God's not oppressing me with what I did in the past, if God is not oppressing me with what I said in the past, if God is not oppressing me from what I, the way I acted in the past, if God is not holding me down, if God is not calling me guilty, doggone it, why am I calling myself guilty? Notice this. Condemnation. It says God 
has set everything right between him and me. But notice, it says, and then you say it right out loud. I declare it. I got to know in my heart that God has set everything right between him and me. I got to believe in my heart that God has set everything right between him and me. It can't be just something I read. It can't just be something the pastor say and I write it in my notes. It can't just be something my mama told me a long time ago. I have to believe it. I have to believe that God has set everything right between him and me. Why? Because I said yes to Christ. And in Christ, that dilemma is resolved. Next image. Now, I admit that if we are talking about me and me alone, if I'm just thinking about myself, if all these self-condemning conversations that we tend to have is just about me alone, I admit I probably deserve to be condemned. I probably deserve every penalty that you're whispering in my ear that I deserve. The imperfect me, that person is ruled by sin. But that's not where I am. I am not alone. I am in Christ. And because I am, in, I am in Christ, I am not ruled by sin. I am not ruled by my slip-ups. I am not ruled by my mishaps. I am not ruled by my faults. I am not ruled by that because I am in Christ. And being in Christ means I am not condemned. My faults, my flaws, those things are not my ruler. I have a new ruler. Jesus. It's my ruler. And when Jesus is my ruler, God is not judging me guilty. He's not judging me guilty. No matter what you try to tell me, he's not judging me guilty. No matter what you try to get me to think, he's not judging me guilty. No matter what you whispering in my ear, he's not judging me guilty. He's not judging me guilty. And because he's not judging me guilty, just like Romans 8 and 1 says, Next image. Romans 8 and 1, now in the easy to read, says, so now anyone who is in Christ Jesus is not judged guilty. And I am a part of anyone. So no longer will I judge myself guilty. No longer, as the Message Bible tells me, will I continue to exist under some low-lying low black cloud. Black cloud of feeling bad about myself. Black cloud of looking down on myself. Black cloud of thinking less of myself. I will no longer live under that low-lying black cloud. Because I am in Christ, I will no longer live in condemnation. Now, 
Now, family, we can take this conversation on and on and on, but you get the idea. When condemnation rises up in you, do not cower down. You respond by taking every flaw that it brings up and you shove it down its throat. What are we saying? Next image. Whenever condemnation raises its head, do not cower. Say these five words with me. Let's go. Choke it with the truth. Choke condemnation with the truth. Every time. It wants to bring up one of your imperfections. You shove it right down his throat with the truth. Amen. Condemnation comes to you telling you flaws about you. Condemnation is not telling you something you don't already know. When it comes to you talking about your errors, you be sure to let it know. So what? The Bible already tells me that all have sinned. The Bible already calls me imperfect on my own. The Bible already tells me I can't do it on my own. But God sent Jesus. So you can take my errors and shove it. When condemnation want to bring up your weakness, you let condemnation know that the Bible already tells me that I am weak on my own. But I'm not on my own. I'm in Christ. As a matter of fact, in the second Corinthians 12, Paul once asked God to take this thorn away. And God told him, boy, my grace is sufficient. But, but, but Paul said God didn't stop there. Paul said, God said, boy, when you are weak, that's when I'm strong. In your weakness, I am my strongest. So I know that I am weak. I know that I have weaknesses on my own, but when I'm in him, I have the strength of Elohim. I have the strength of El Elyon. I have the strength of the Almighty. When I'm in him, I might look weak on the outside, but I have the power of God on the inside. Whenever it brings up your weaknesses, you shove your weaknesses right down its throat with the truth. Tell it to take your weaknesses and shove it. If it wants to bring up a failure, if it wants to bring up a fault, if it wants to bring up a flaw, look it in the eyes and say, I admit I mess up sometimes. I admit I got flaws. I admit I got faults. But God still loves me anyhow. Why? Because I'm in Christ. Whenever condemnation raises its head on the inside of you and tries to stir up Self-condemnation. You disarm condemnation and the devil 
realize that he's always in our subject matter when we're talking about this. Disarm both of them with the truth. And in doing so, what you're going to do is you're going to free yourself from that trance of talking negatively about yourself to yourself. Family, I'm talking about you saying to yourself what God says about you. You saying to yourself what the word says about you. Take control of the voices in your head. Just because you cannot get away from you, it does not mean you can't control what's going on inside of you. Don't just accept what condemnation brings your way. Remember, if what you are doing is looking at life through a flaw, you're going to hinder not, this, not just your present, but also your future. Self-condemnation has no place in your life. The Bible says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to say this with me. Because as a people, in particular, as people who are hearing this right now, we do not, I repeat, we do not want to leave this place and be the same. Do not believe, do not think that just because we talk about this, that condemnation and the enemy are just going to leave you alone. You got to take control. You got to believe. You got to speak back to it. You don't just speak back to situations and circumstances. Sometimes, guess what? You got to speak to yourself. Let's go. Condemnation. You want me to talk bad about myself and shackle me to a stigma of guilt or regret. Or being, or being unworthy, unworthy or, unlovable, or unlovable or unforgivable or, unforgivable, or, or pitiful, pitiful shameful, shameful or good for nothing. Good for nothing. But, the but the Bible says God sent, God sent Jesus, Jesus to, free me. to free me. And when I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ there, is no there is no condemnation. condemnation. I, no I no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying, black cloud. God, through Christ, is not judging me guilty, so no longer will I judge myself guilty. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some praise. So when you sit condemnation down in your house or in your car or while you're going for a walk, it, it, hey, walk with me. It ain't got to be a sit down. The moment you hear it, you get up from your desk, you go in that conference room and say, we got to talk about something. Now, people are thinking crazy, so don't get too animated. But, but, but I'm talking about get your finger in its face. And, and I'm joking, but you know I'm serious. I'm, it looks funny, but get, get your finger in its face. 
you got to personify that thing and get in its face just like somebody who just, just stole something from you. You trying to steal my joy. You trying to steal my hope. You trying to steal my peace. We, you and me, we got to talk about something. Because you trying to talk to me about something. The Bible already tells me that I'm not perfect. But in my imperfection, I am made perfect in him. No longer. No longer do you allow that chatter to keep you up in the middle of the night. If you're going to chatter in my ear, doggone it, we're going to talk. And I want to choke you with the truth. I love you, family. Let's pray. God, I thank you that each and every person here is aware that we all have flaws. But the Bible, thank you, Lord, says that God sent his son to be perfection for us to fill the gaps where our imperfections fall short. When God looks at me, he sees me but I am also cloaked in Christ. There is no condemnation for me in that position. I pray that everybody receives that. No condemnation. No condemnation. Loved ones, make that a rhythm. Say it. No condemnation. Keep saying it. No condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation. Oh, that's right. Oh, lift your voice. Pray to God. Oh, God, we thank you right now. We thank you that we know that on our own, we can't do it on our own. We don't have what it takes. But I thank you that you sent a savior to give us an opportunity to be right by you. And all we have to do is just say yes to the free gift. I thank you that the gift is free. No strings attached. I no longer have to live under this stigma. Oh, lift up your voice. Just pray in your holy language. God, we usher in your spirit. We usher in your spirit. Holy Spirit, give us the boldness to talk back to that condemnation that wants to weigh us down, that wants us to live in oppression. Give us the boldness to stand up in the righteousness that Jesus has paid the price for us to stand up in. Condemnation has no place in our life, has no place in our children's life, has no place in our spouse's life, has no place in any of our network's life. Condemnation has no place in our brother and sister life who are in Christ. Anyone who is in Christ, who is heir to the throne, who is heir to the kingdom, anyone who's able to call God Abba Father, that is God, that is something that says there is no condemnation. 
Jesus did the work that we couldn't do. Oh, thank you, God. Lord, give each and every person the boldness to look condemnation in the eye and shove every flaw down its throat with the truth. And as we speak the truth, as Jesus said, we are going to be doing the process of making ourselves free. Whom the Son sets free is not just free maybe, is not just free perhaps, is not just free I think, is not just free I wish. Who the Son sets free is free absolutely, positively, indeed. And we are free in Christ. All of God's people will have the boldness to tell condemnation to take my flaws and shove it. I'm going to believe what God says about me. That's where it starts and ends for me. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.